Welcome to Refuge, guys. How are you doing tonight? Good. Good. If you uh, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter, chapter 1, we're going to continue our study through the book of 1 Peter. But before we get started, would you bow with me for another word of prayer before we dive in? Heavenly Father, as we just sang, you are the cornerstone. You are Lord of all. Before time began, you were sitting on your throne. You are God alone. You're gracious, you're merciful, you're abundant, you're eternal. You're a God who is jealous for your own glory. You're a God who is mighty to save. You're just and righteous and holy. You are love. And you gave us your son. You didn't spare him, but you gave him up. You've given your spirit, and you've poured him out upon us. For that we're grateful, Father. You've given us your word. As the psalmist said, it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I pray that it would be so tonight. Lord, you also talk about the one that is prowling around like a lion, ready to devour, to snatch the very word that is about to be poured out on these hearts and these souls tonight. I pray that Satan would cease He would have no dominion over this time. He would not allow our minds to wander or to dwell on earthly things. Help us to see with spiritual eyes. Open our eyes right now, Lord, that we would behold wondrous things from your law. God, I am unworthy to talk on your behalf. On my own, I pray that your spirit would guide my words. Lord, I pray that it would fall on good soil and that it would get down to the very depths of our hearts and our souls, that it would reorient our affections and our desires. Lord, help us to be Berean, to not take every word as it comes, but to test it. Father, I ask that you would be glorified in this time for your glory and for our joy. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So tonight we're going to continue our walk uh, through the book of 1 Peter uh, as we look at the next three verses in chapter 1, verses 14, 15, and 16. Uh, my objective tonight is simple. I have three questions I would like to answer. The first question is, how are we to set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ? The second question is, what is an obedient child? And the third and final question is, how does an obedient child live? If you haven't already, uh, I would ask that you would turn with me uh, to 1 Peter chapter 1 as we read verses 14 through 16. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. 
So we're going to look at our first question right now. How are you to set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ? That is our, that is our first question. If you turn your eyes with me to our text, uh, Peter follows up verse 13, which Chase spoke on beautifully last week. Uh, he follows up verse 13, this transition verse, and in verse 14, I believe the answer to our question lies here. He says, as obedient children. How, how are you to set your hope fully on the grace that is going to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ? You're to do so by an obedient child. Well, you might say, what exactly does that mean? And I, we're going to answer that in our second question. But for now, I'd like to spend a little time here and focus in on what Peter is telling us. Peter is going to lay out what it looks for us to be an obedient child practically. He's going to uh, follow up in the next verse and to say, do not do this, rather do this instead. And our focus tonight is holiness. I believe uh, that is the main message, that is the main point of what Peter is trying to, to get across. And, and we're going to answer that question as well as two others with a couple other pieces of scripture. And my hope for you is that you would be edified, that you would be encouraged by the very word of God tonight. And my prayer is that you would see and savor the beauty of Christ Jesus in, in this text. So our second question, what is an obedient child? The dictionary defines an obedient child as one whose behavior is respectful and mindful of specific rules and laws. A child shows obedience when, when they obey the, when they, excuse me, a child shows their obedience when they obey their parent. Although this definition is not bad in itself, but it does give us a general direction into the sense of what the Bible gets at when it says an obedient child. Biblically speaking, an obedient child is one who joyfully delights and obeys the Father, God. This person is regenerated. This person is born again, a new creation as uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us. They are one who knows the truth and not only knows it, but walks in the light of that truth. They do not practice sin and habitually walk in darkness. The truth is in them. The Holy Spirit has sealed them, and it is abundantly clear that he is at work in them. They have a Romans 8 type of life. They are walking in step with the Spirit. This person exemplifies Christ-like fruit. We see that exercise in, in Galatians 5. Uh, they are one who is faithful to prayer and to the very word of God. They have been declared righteous. They are being made into the image of God. And they currently have in one day will receive in full their promised inheritance. They are one who abides in, delights in, and obeys the commandments of the Lord. This is an obedient child in terms of the biblical standard. Paul summarizes similarly this type of person in Romans 12, and I would encourage you guys to look there on your own time in verses 9 through 20 to study that and to dive in. But for the sake of our time tonight, I just want to point out a few notes that Peter addresses, or Paul rather addresses in Romans 12. In verse 9 he says, Let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. It's a simple phrase, yet one is, uh, truly has a lot of depth if you sit to meditate on it. And, and I would ask you, uh, just thinking uh, about our text tonight, uh, 
Is your love genuine? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? In in verse 14, he says, uh, Repay no one evil for evil. And similarly, in verse 21, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This summarizes the Christian life in many ways. First, not to return evil when you are being sinned against, but to love. To show uh, and give what they don't deserve. To be gracious. uh, To withhold uh, what they do deserve. To be merciful, as your Savior has been merciful to you. He says, overcome evil with good. Uh, This is in hopes that they would see your good works and what? Give glory to your Father in heaven. This is an eternal mindset. This is the Christian life. It's not temporary. This is an eternal thing. And if you were to look at all those verses and the traits and marks that Paul lays out, uh, it can be pretty sobering. And if you're honest with yourself, you might read them and say, well, this doesn't describe me, at least maybe not in full. Uh, And that would be true if you are apart from Christ and that is a gracious thing, or maybe it's something that's revealing that you're not walking as an obedient child should. These are marks that Paul shares with us to show us these are marks that we should be exemplifying and growing in as a believer. Similarly, Peter, in his second letter, uh, in chapter 1, in verses 3 through 15, has a similar list, which I would also encourage you to go read, and we're just going to read a, a piece of it tonight. In verse 8, 8 and First, or Second Peter chapter 1, verse 8, he says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a lot. It's, it's Peter. He's the same author of our letter here tonight. He, he's saying, there's a lot of language here of what he's addressed in the first 12 verses. And he opens up similarly uh, in the second letter that he writes. He goes on in these next verses to show his intention of why he's writing, and it's to remind his readers to stir up a way of reminder, uh, the affections and desires to remind them of their identity, to thus obey and, and delight in what God has done for them. He also points out uh, an eternity that is coming to them in full, the inheritance that they one day will receive. This is our third and final question. How does an obedient child live? This is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time for the evening. Looking back to our text, Paul gives us this answer again to our question. Picking up in the second part of verse 14, he says, Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. The answer to our question is what? Does anybody know reading that text? Shout it out if you recognize. What what is the answer? How does an obedient child live? Holy. Holy. Thank you, Chase. The answer is holy. An obedient child is called to live a holy life. 
Before we unpack that, what that means for us, uh, we have to start with the one who is holy, God. God is holy. He is the very definition of the word. He encompasses what it means to be holy and to act holy. In fact, from Genesis to Revelation, the word holy is used over 600 times in the Bible. To name a few, we see God's holiness on display in Exodus 3, 5, at the burning bush where he tells Moses, Do not come near. Take off your sandals, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Excuse me. This is, this is where the presence of God is. He says, Moses, take your sandals off. You're, you're not to come. This place, this place that I am dwelling right now is holy. You're not holy. We know, and if you read more or know that story any further, that Moses does come, and he comes not on his own authority, but on the authority of God's allowing Moses to come in his presence. And in fact, Moses asks to see if he can see God, and if you know the story or you don't, God doesn't allow Moses to see him because why? If he were to show fully who he was, Moses wouldn't be able to, be able to see he would die. That, that's how holy God is. We can take a look further down and, and see where Moses was given the description about the veil that was to separate the holy place from the most holy place in, in regards to priestly garments during sacrifice offerings as well with a bunch of different laws uh, poured out in the chapter, or excuse me, the book of Leviticus. We see his holiness probably the clearest in the Old Testament throughout the Psalms. We see it described in Psalm 5-7 about his temple, his throne in Psalm 47-8, his land in Psalm 78-54, his promise in Psalm 105-42, as well as his name in Psalm 99-5. We also see in Psalm 105-13 saying, Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. So that's all Old Testament. You, could, you can go and look up. There's countless more examples. That's just a few, just to, to name a few. And we fast forward now to the New Testament. We see his holiness revealed in, in reference to his Holy Spirit, the New Covenant, Jesus, and, and most importantly, Revelation 4.8. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And in our verse, actually, Peter refers to God's holiness in verse 16, quoting Leviticus 11:44. You shall be holy, for I, for me, God, am holy. Obedient children are to be holy because why? God is holy. There must not be anything in God's presence that is unrighteous or that would defile his holiness. There must, not, must be nothing that has uh, any spot or blemish. There's not a single speck of dirtiness or unrighteousness that could be gazed upon him. Peter tells us in verse 14 uh, what this looks like. He says, Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. He's talking about your flesh. He's talking about your old self and its passions and desires, how you once lived them out. You were once a hater of God. Apart from Christ, when you weren't saved, you were a hater of God. You used to indulge in your fleshly appetite, satisfying every and any craving that you laid your adulterous heart on, as James says. 
listen, listen to me. He's saying, do not go back to this. Do not go back to that worthless, life-sucking, unsatisfying passion that is dead, that was crucified on the cross. That is your old self. Do not waste your life on earthly things. You have Christ Jesus. He continues in verse 15, and he says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Peter says, instead of being disobedient, be obedient. Be holy as God is holy. This is achieved by the power and work of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who accomplished this work in you. 2 Corinthians 3.18 reminds us, As we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Another way you are made holy is by being a murderer of sin. You are made holy as you become a murderer of your own sin. As the best uh, quote on this is probably by John Owen. He says, Be killing sin, or it will be killing you. Brothers and sisters, be a sin killer. Kill your sin by using the sword. Use the word of God that has been graciously given to you. Store it up in your heart that you might not sin against him. Guard your heart, as the psalmist says, with the word, and that you would walk according to it. Bind it up around your neck. Have it as you go to sleep and as you rise up. Meditate on it day and night. Put on your armor. This is a spiritual warfare. If you're a Christian and think you're not in a war, you're, you're deceived. This is a war. And we're walking uh, with armor that is available to us, or we're walking into a battle without any armor. If you think about that, uh, a, a man or woman who would step in a battlefield in Iraq or Afghanistan or any other part of the world without their armor would be foolish. So let us be reminded to put on our armor daily. Be transformed in your mind and lay away every weight in sin. As Chase said last week, gird up your loins. Gird up your loins. Be transformed by laying aside every weight, hindrance, and sin. I pray, uh, I pray that you guys would be people of prayer. I pray that you guys would be a people of prayer. Realize that if you're trying to accomplish this on your own power and strength, you will fail. You will uh, be unsuccessful because you cannot do it on your own. A couple things you could pray for is that pray that God would break your heart. Pray that you would, he would help your unbelief, that he would uh, help you to overcome your doubts and your struggles. Uh, help him, pray that he would help you renew your mind and your affections and, and desires, that he would give you new affections, he would give you new desires that would align with him and his will. Keep in step with the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's what Galatians 5 says. A simple statement, a simple uh, implication, yet we totally just blow past it. Keep in step with the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Do not give any opportunity, as he says later, 
to serve the flesh. Love and serve one another as yourself. Remember who Peter is writing to. Elect exiles. They are battling various trials and temptations. He is reminding them of their identity. He is reminding you tonight of your identity. Live lives that joyfully delight in obeying your Lord Jesus. Trust in his power. Trust in his wisdom. Seek the things that are above, as Colossians 3 says. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. If you go back to verse 15, Peter says, you're to do this with some things. No, he says, do this in all your conduct. He's literally saying, do this with everything. For instance, thinking about a couple of the things that we go through today, think about entertainment. How are you to obey God in your entertainment? Some people might fall along the sides of saying, well, we probably shouldn't entertain ourselves that much. Uh, or some of us maybe dabble in the side that's way over in our heads and are entertaining ourselves too much and think, well, I don't even know how to answer that question. Well, how are you to obey God in your entertainment? You do so by using wisdom. You do so by not putting things in front of your eyes that will cause you to stumble or to cause others to stumble. You are called to not lay anything vile in front of your eyes. If you watch something Chase said last week, and Juice talked about it in small groups, if you're to watch something or you're to entertain yourself with something, maybe it's a video game, uh, maybe it's social media, if you're causing that and you're doing that and then it hinders you from opening the word or you open the word and you feel dirty, that is something that's causing you to stumble. That is a weight. That is something that is hindering you and your effectiveness. Turn your attention to things that will help you, help aid you in keeping the commandments of God and observing his law with your whole heart. Another example for me is your phone. We all have a phone. Probably everybody has a smartphone. There's uh, things that we can do with our smartphone that would honor Christ and things that we can do that would dishonor Christ. How are you to obey Christ with your phone? By using it as an instrument for righteousness. You can use it to communicate with brothers and sisters, to uh, use it as accountability. Uh, Me and JJ uh, FaceTime and, and read through a book. Uh, the past couple months, so we used it to FaceTime and go over our books. There's ways to go about it as to you can seek to edify and encourage one another. Uh, Use social media. If you use social media, that's great. Use it with wisdom. Seek to edify and encourage. Majority of the things you see on social media today, especially in the world, and us included, it's not to boast about Christ. It's not to uh, boast of um, anything but really ourselves. Oh, look at me. Look, look what I have. And, and it causes us a, a lot of the times to compare ourselves. It causes us to stumble. It causes us to waste time. Uh, if you get up in your morning and the first thing you look at is your Snapchat, your Facebook notifications, Twitter, uh, Instagram, I don't even know if there's any other ones, that's the hindrance. That's the hindrance. You're starting your day with battling apathy and you're indulging in a bunch of the stuff the world's talking about. So I would encourage you to use it 
not to boast of yourself, to boast of Christ, to encourage and edify one another. One thing that I use my phone for that has really, really been helpful for me, and, and some of you guys know, is to set reminders. Uh, if you have an iPhone, you can set reminders. It's already on your phone. You can use that. I set it to uh, set me a reminder every single hour of the day to pray. I pray over my family. I pray for my wife. I pray for the church. I pray for the youth. Every hour from when I get up and go to work at 7 a.m. till 9 o'clock at night, I'm praying every hour for a reminder that pray for JJ, pray for AJ, pray for Chase, pray for refuge. That's not to boast about myself. This is a, should be an encouragement for you guys to use your phones in a practical way that is going to edify others, which is going to exalt the name of Christ, which is going to grow your faith. Another example that I have is exercising. How are you to obey God when you exercise? Honoring God with your temple that he has given you. He's graciously allowed you to have a physical body to work out, to exercise, to maintain. You only have one body here on life, on earth. He's stewarded you. He's given you a body to steward well, to take care of from what you eat to what you put into it, to exercise. Uh, Things you can think about is to battle laziness, to grow in the discipline of self-control that will uh, grow not only in going to the gym or going on a run, but to grow in other areas of your life. Growing in a greater love for those around you and a deeper joy in Jesus. There's a, for probably about six months now, I've had the, have the privilege to go to the gym with Dave, Pastor Dave, uh, every, for five days a week, five days a week. For some of you guys who think, wow, how in the world do you make five days a week? It's a lot, but it's a priority. And one thing that that allows is stress from Dave, to a, a healthy way to alleviate some stress, an opportunity to uh, honor God with our, with our body. And not only that, a prayer of mine and Dave has been to not make it about ourselves, our goals, what the weight on the scale says, or how much weight we can uh, lift in the gym, but to grow in self-control and to allow that to spread in our love for others. And that was our prayer going into it. And the Lord has answered that prayer. Josh has had the opportunity to come help with us, and he's benefited well from uh, working out with us. Uh, I've grown in a deeper relationship with Josh through going to the gym a couple times a week. My in-laws have come to the gym well. So you now see that God is working in a way, in a very practical way, in growing my love for those around me and also encouraging uh, those around me to not be lazy to to grow and and steward well this body that he has given us. Those are a few examples to think about. There's, I'm sure you can think about many more, and I'm sure you can talk about some more in small group, but I just want to give you a couple practical examples, things to think about when Peter's talking about in all your conduct. Work out your salvation in all your conduct with fear and with trembling. Faith apart from works, as James tells us, is dead. Give your time for others and be intentional with your time as the days are evil. Disciple one another, teach one another, 
Admonish one another. Fight the temptations with the great hope that you have in Christ Jesus. Stand firm and hold fast to your convictions. Reason with the loss. Share the good news and proclaim it. Declare it among the nations. Love each other with a pure heart and with pure motives. Brothers and sisters, you will over time, day by day, through the power of the Spirit, grow in a deeper, glorifying love for God through your obedience. His name is at stake. An obedient child lives a holy life. I ask you this. Are you living the way an obedient child should? Is this your reality? I believe there are three responses to this message. The first response is addressed to the unbeliever. The last two are addressed to the believer. The first response should be to the unbeliever is, you need to be saved. Everything that I have said up until this point does not apply to you if you are not born again, if you are not alive in Christ. You cannot see spiritual things. You're not able to, John 8 tells us. You are deceived. A pastor once said, if you share the desires of the world, you will pass away. You will not only lose your treasure, you will lose your life. If you love the world, it will pass away and take you with it. The gospel saves. The gospel is Jesus Christ. The gospel hangs on Jesus Christ. Without him, there is no hope. There is no salvation. The gospel is good news. It is the great exchange, Jesus taking your sin punishment and giving you his righteousness, thus declaring you righteous by faith in him alone, apart from your works. The gospel is dependent on none other but Jesus Christ himself. It is a recognition that you are an ungodly, you have sinned against a holy and just God, and by the power of his spirit and his grace and mercy, he has allowed you to see your sin. So come. You cannot clean yourself up and then come to God. The gospel is not faith plus works. It is not faith plus something. It is faith in the righteousness of Christ. Do not try to clean yourself up. You cannot do that. Just come. Believe this to be true. Repent and come taste the living waters. Come taste the sweetness of Christ Jesus. Depend on him. See the joy that is only found in Jesus. Savor him. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. The Lord today is offering you adoption. Offering you adoption from slave to, uh, slave to sin to a, a slave to righteousness. Leave your sin. Flee from it. Leave the things of this world and come. Come depend on the righteousness of God. The next two responses are for believers. The response, the first response for a believer is continue to labor well. Seek to rejoice and worship him fully in mind, body, and spirit. Delight in Jesus. Press on. Continue to prepare your mind, having a sober mind, hoping in Christ and his word. Love the truth and gird up your loins. See him and savor him above all else. Have your mind transformed by the washing of the word. Pray intentionally. Plan out your time. Plan out your day. Continue to labor and make best use of your time. Proclaim the good news. Love Jesus. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
Fight the good fight. Run the race that is set before you. I want to read some lyrics here uh, from a song titled, Yet Not I, But Christ in Me. With every breath I long to follow Jesus. For he has said that he will bring me home. And day by day, I know he will renew me. Until I stand before the until I stand with joy before the throne, to this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore to him, when the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but Christ in me. Oh, let that be said of us believers. The third and final response is for the believer. Repent. Repent for being a disobedient child, for indulging in your former passions of the old self and being ignorant. Brothers and sisters, you are a child of God. Give your undivided attention and do not be lured away by these worthless worldly pursuits. You are walking as if you're an unbeliever when you indulge in, when you indulge in the old self. Uh, John Piper says it like this, you are acting like a spouse that is running after another lover. I'm going to say that again. He says, you are acting like a spouse that is running after another lover. Repent for not preparing your mind, for not being ready. Carefully and prayerfully examine your life. Rethink your priorities. Honor God as your Lord. Remember your identity. Christ is in you. You are in him. Christ is in God. You have been given his spirit. You have hope. You have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. See Christ and savor him. Love Christ and his word and share it with others. My prayer is that you guys all fall into one of these three categories. You all do. All of you in this room. It's a level playing field. My prayer is that you guys would carefully consider and ponder which of these three uh, you, you fall into. And do not be afraid if you fall into this last category. It's a gracious thing. Repent. Come. You're, you're a child of God. Repent from being a disobedient child. Come. If you're unsaved, come. Today is the day. You're not guaranteeing tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. If you're, if you're in the second, second category and you, you're, you're living faithfully, continue to live faithfully. Continue to be an obedient child. As we close our time together tonight, I would like to end with a few verses from chapter 5 that Paul ended with his letter to the church at Thessalonica. In verses 23 and 24, he says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and your spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you who have called us is faithful. You indeed will do it. I pray as we ponder and think about what your word said tonight about being an obedient child, being a disobedient child. And maybe there's one in here tonight that has never seen the beauty of Christ Jesus, who has never seen the depths of their sin. Lord, I pray that they would not hesitate to bring that up, to share that truth tonight. Father God, my prayer is that you would help us 
as believers in Christ to be obedient, to live holy lives. Lord, you've called us to a life of suffering here on earth. As you have suffered, we will suffer. You've called us to be steadfast and immovable and to walk in the glory that we've been shown. Lord, would you sanctify us? Would you cleanse us? Would you purify our hearts that we would walk uh, not as sons that are disobedient and daughters that are disobedient, but as sons and daughters who are obedient to their Father, who love and enjoy and delight to keep your commandments. I pray as we think about that song that said, when the race is complete, my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but Christ in me. Lord, you're the one who works. Would you do the work that only you can do? I pray, Father God, that the word that has been planted tonight would not fall on hard soil. I pray that the word would not be choked out by the cares of this world. I pray against the evil one that is now trying to seek, to destroy, and to take away that word. But I pray it will fall on the fourth soil. That soil that is soft, that is good soil, uh, that would go deep down to the soul, that would reorient our affections and our desires, and would bear Christ-like fruit. Lord, there's a warning in James, the James that talks about the man who looks intently at the mirror, that sees himself, yet walks away, forgetting what he saw. Let that not be us tonight. Let us look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the law of Christ Jesus in the new covenant, and to be cleansed and to be washed by your, new, by your word. Father God, I pray that it would go well with our souls uh, to know that your glory and our joy are not at odds, that we're, you're most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in you. Father, that is my prayer tonight. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.